We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, we are talking about a Nets loss today to the Milwaukee Bucks, 117-114. How are we doing, Jack? A loss, but not all hope is lost. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, Jack. Obviously, no James Harden. Nick Claxton was active, but did not play. So, a couple different factors. Just no Bobby Portis for the Milwaukee Bucks. But as always, you'll find the Nick lost Bobby Portis. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Portis, game changer. But uh, as always, you can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want to start with this one? Uh, let's get started with the the two superstars, Nick, and, and Giannis and Kevin Durant. That was a, a heck of a battle, and ultimately Giannis with his 49 points came out on top. Kevin Durant, another 42-point performance. Uh, out of those two guys, just a general question, Nick. Uh, we sort of heard Giannis saying, you know, he's trusting his jump shot a little bit more when he's speaking to reporters and such, and Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, one of the greatest players in the history of, of the game. Are you confident now in how the Nets are guarding Giannis going forward, or do there need to be some adjustments made? I saw Steve Nash sort of say that you know, he was comfortable with how DJ played on him, but he's he obviously he's going to remain inconsistent. What are your thoughts, I guess, on guarding Giannis going forward in the next matchup and possibly in the postseason? Yeah, obviously today he had a season high 49 points and he was hitting jumpers. You know, this is, he hit a lot of jumpers today. He was four of eight from three. He hit a lot of mid-range jumpers too. I think for the Nets, the approach to Giannis needs to be creative. You know, they need to switch up the looks. You know, against any great player, you don't want to necessarily throw the same guy at him. And I thought DeAndre Jordan started the first quarter, had some good moments, but he allowed Giannis to really get in a rhythm. You know, and the main reason you have DJ on Giannis is because of the physicality. And to be honest, Giannis was moving him in the paint. And if, you're, if he's going to do that, I'm not really sure what is the positive of having DeAndre out there, especially when Giannis feels comfortable against him and getting to some of his spots. 
shots. And even that like short mid range shot, I think that's something he's developed this season. You know, Blake Griffin had some nice moments on him in the fourth quarter. I feel like Blake's approach is a little bit different because he's willing to take a charge. He got that charge today. And obviously if you have a guy like Nick Claxton, that's another body you can throw out there, but also another help defender on the floor. And I think at times, you know, the nets were a little bit too small and they just, they kind of were like, you know, we'll let Giannis beat us and Giannis beat him tonight. And he had a great game. I'm not sure he can have this type of performance consistently, but again, you know, I think if the nets switch up their approach in defending him, it'll make life a lot more difficult. And, and I guess, how would you make those adjustments? Because I did see comments from Steve Nash and some of the other guys about the fact that, look, we guarded how we guarded Giannis the way we wanted to guard him. You know, you give Giannis the, the long three-pointers, you give him the mid-range jumpers because, you know, he's not Kevin Durant, he's not Kyrie Irving. You know, he's not a three-level scorer at this point in time. In terms of the adjustments, would you put more time with Blake out there? Do you think the, the Claxton addition, possibly in the next game going forward, um, is it, you know, sort of the, a Miami style of defense? Do you zone against the, the Bucks a little bit? What, what are the the, the levels of changes that you would make if you were Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I think in a playoff series, you're willing to try everything. I think if he were to have another one of these games where you see the jump shot falling, you want to put somebody more mobile on him. You know, Kevin Durant did have a couple possessions. You know, they were kind of hit or miss. I think also just willing to send attention, you know, and make him think. And I think that's what the most important thing is like, hey, this is going to be an ISO against DJ. Next possession, we're going to throw a double team. And a couple times we saw in the second half, Kevin Durant came with the help when Giannis was coming off a spin move, and that pretty much shut him down, you know, either with a jump ball, knock the ball out of there, or just kind of force him to an uncomfortable shot and I think the number one thing is you just do not want to allow a superstar player to get comfortable and the Nets let Giannis do that today you know even Steve Nash saying they felt comfortable with the shots at the end of the day players are going to hit shots in the paint especially when they're as good as Giannis yeah and, and I think that you you make a good point it's similar to the you know the Joel Embiid predicament that the yeah. the Nets will likely face at some point in time going forward you know you don't want to get stagnant with the looks that you give him you want to throw a couple of doubles his way you want to throw a DJ you want to throw a clack swings out there on the perimeter you want to switch uh, you want to all do all these different sort of things double you know Blake Griffin whoever else it might be out there yeah. in, in certain matchups because you know uh, allowing the the sort of consistency allows a player to get into rhythm allows a player to go okay I know what DJ's movement patterns are like I know what Blake Griffin's movement patterns are like I don't know what Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, these sort of guys do. Whereas if you're throwing different things at them, and I think that that's one thing Giannis is going to have to be prepared for, prepared for because ultimately good things out of a regular season game, but postseason is a different sort of kettle of fish. And we know Kevin Durant has done that time and time again in the postseason. He does his in important matchups. Uh, he's a goddamn superstar, otherworldly player. So I guess ultimately, you know, it's it's a little bit of a tick for Giannis, Nick. But give me give me a breakdown of the the Slim Reaper himself because this man is otherworldly. I mean, Kevin Durant was awesome today. I thought, you know, the Bucks got away with a lot of fouls on him, specifically P.J. Tucker just playing overly aggressive and using his hands too much, which uh, the refs kind of let them play like it was a playoff game, so whatever. But still, 42 points, 16 to 33 from the field, 7 of 13 from deep, uh, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal. Did have the 5 turnovers. 4 of them were in the first quarter, but then he kind of cleaned that up. And even defensively, he had an impact in this game. And it was constantly just Kevin Durant shooting over defenders, multiple defenders, good defenders. You know, he... Obviously, you saw, you know, Giannis got the block on him, but Katie hit probably about five jumpers in his face. So I don't, I'm not really concerned about that. And I think, honestly, you know, Kevin Durant probably wishes he hit more shots because there are a couple times where he just missed shots that he normally makes, like one specifically at the end of the game, not the game winner. I mean, not the game tire, but the one before that. So, you know, Kevin Durant honestly was as amazing as advertised. And the Bucks I felt like, gave him a good chunk of attention. And if a guy like James Harden is on the floor, it's just going to make things that much easier for Kevin Durant, even just getting into his sets. Yeah, look, ultimately... 
you know, Kyrie wasn't on. Um, he, I think that maybe Ramadan something have a bit of effect on him, and it makes total yeah. sense because there's a lot of athletes around the world that are going through that. And you know, funnily enough, some guys in the AFL are uh, continuing to do otherworldly things. And Kyrie has done some otherworldly things throughout this period. But you know, you get a a, a fit and healthy Kyrie Irving, you know, conditioned. Uh, you get James Harden back. You know, you add in a Nicholas Claxton who is going to be a rotation in some form or another in the regular and postseason. It just makes things that little bit easier for Kevin Durant. But Kevin Durant continues to do. Kevin Durant thinks it's simple as that. You know, you can put an adjective on him. You can put a verb on him. You know, he is that goddamn malleable, that goddamn great. Um, that no matter what he and does. And I felt like the Bucks today, Jack, tried to annoy Kevin Durant. Like they made an effort to try to annoy him, and I felt like that just made him play better. Like PJ Tucker specifically came in the game. I believe this was in the fourth quarter. He started like not headbutting, but I don't know, doing like a head weird, like head, like bumping type of thing to him. Next possession, Katie splashes a three in his face. So it's just kind of like, okay. It's funny because, you know, we've heard Kevin Rand say Drew Holiday, one of the best defenders in the game, you know, and all these different sort of things. But we also have heard him say that, you know, offenses are just better than defenses and good offense is always yeah. going to be better than good defense. And Kevin Rand is the goodest of, of offense you can probably get in the game in terms of shot creation. You're putting the ball in Kevin Rand's hands, you know. Yeah, Giannis hit a couple of threes and a couple of mid-ranges tonight, but Kevin Rand's been doing that since he was in goddamn Oklahoma City and he was as skinny as, you know, a goddamn tweak. So, and I, and I, I honestly think that, uh, my confidence related to Kevin Durant in the Nets in the postseason hasn't necessarily changed. I guess in a Milwaukee matchup, Nick, did we see anything tonight? Because we hear a lot about the fact that there are three-pronged attack in terms of their defensive weapons. You added in a PJ Tucker, that's maybe another fourth weapon. You know, in terms of the Milwaukee defense, does it worry you heading into the postseason at all? I think if James Harden weren't healthy, I think it would worry me. But given that having a player of James Harden's caliber should just make things that much easier and also would eliminate some of the stretches where Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving are on the bench or even the, the stretches where you only have one superstar. You know, if Steve Nash does his minutes right, you're going to stagger it two out of three. So I think that's something to consider. But again, Milwaukee is very talented defensively. But I think really... The Nets scored 114 points today, and they had 16 turnovers. And I'd probably say at least six of six of those 16 turnovers were self-inflicted. You know, throwing the ball out of bounds, you know, dribbling it off your foot, whatever it might be. So, like, if they have those six possessions, Nets easily probably score 120 in this one. And you know, as good as the defense is, you know, the Nets are right in this game. So it's hard for me to be like, you know, I'm concerned by the Milwaukee defense when the Nets are missing one of their best players. And they still played well. You know, they shot 40% from three, 42% from the field, 15 to 17 from the free throw line. You know, other than the turnovers, I thought offensively they had good moments. There was just some times where they got stagnant. And obviously having an elite playmaker like James Harden could remove some of those situations. Yeah, I said on Just Ball Things this week with Nick Busing that, you know, the biggest thing is the, the Nets' health. And I think that the Nets' biggest obstacle to success is going to be themselves. You know, yeah. are they going to continue to rebound? Are they going to continue to play locked in and engage enough defense? Are they going to, you know, um, handle the ball well enough to not create turnovers and give other teams possessions and, you know, obviously take away possessions from themselves? Because when they get possessions, and especially in the half-court situation, you know, there are a few teams in the league, you know, it's probably... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Finesse and the Clippers that are probably the two best teams when it comes to half-court offense, and half-court offense is going to be the number one thing. And the Nets are also really good in transition as well. When Kyrie's pushing the pace, James Harden with those outlet passes as well. Kevin Durant likes a good pass out in transition too. So I'm, I'm, I think the Nets are going to be okay, Nick, and, and, I, and I trust what you're sort of saying there. But you know, there are. And some I think, st- Jack, another point would be they just got really lackadaisical in that second quarter. You know, there was just a stretch in that quarter where they just weren't fully engaged and the Bucks just kind of turned up the heat and they didn't. And also that was the stretch where Kyrie and Katie went to the bench and no disrespect to Mike James, but Mike James was leading the show. And that's a guy who's not going to be in the playoff rotation. And I thought, you know, some of those role players that are kind of at the end of the bench struggled there. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters, the more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. One guy that didn't, Nick, and I want to show him some love because I guess we can sort of talk about Joe Harris and Landry Shamet at the same sort of time here, but Landry Shamet was awesome tonight. 28 minutes, 5-9 from the field, 4-7 from three, 17 points, three rebounds, two assists. Funnily enough, um, Steve Nash was talking about a, a thing that we talked about in the last pod that we recorded together about Landry Shamet's movement and his ability to shoot on the move and just create pace around the floor. Um, he was great tonight. Yeah, he really was, and I mean... I'm almost getting more confident in Landry Shamit hitting off-balance threes than on, like, catch-and-shoot threes. He's just looked really good there, and you can kind of just see the pop in his shot. Had a nice crossover tonight that it led up to getting an and-one bucket, and defensively, you know, he's constantly improved this season. Shamit really played well in a big matchup tonight. He gave the Nets a little bit of the extra boost with, you know, some of the other guys struggling, mainly Kyrie and Joe Harris. Are you? Does this sort of hark you back to old days where it was Alan Crabbe and Joe Harris and it was just like both of them could never shoot the ball well? But I guess in, in saying that, Joe Harris has struggled in, in sort of big matchups with those sort of physical, strong defensive teams. The Sixers come to mind. The Bucks do come to mind after tonight's matchup. Are you worried about Joe Harris against these sort of teams, Nick? Yeah, I think it's some concern, especially because Joe is not necessarily trigger happy in the sense of like feeling 100% confident shooting contested threes. We've seen him improve in that area this year. He kind of prefers those open threes, but I think the Bucks did a good job taking him out of rhythm and he missed some open shots in this one that he typically hits. He even had a turnover in this game that was just kind of like not Joe Harris-esque and, you know, maybe it's a little bit of fatigue. Maybe it's the bigger defenders, but I think he just has to be prepared to take those threes with those hard closeouts because that's what he's going to see from this point on. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because he's going to get some opportunities to, you know, and I think coming up in, in a couple of days' time against the Bucks when we go back to back against them, I think it's going to be a nice opportunity to go, okay, look, I can't have two bad games in a row. I need to prove yeah. myself the fact that, and look, it's a luxury to have Landry Shamet, you know, just waiting in the wings, coming off the bench and doing what he does. But, you know, Joe Harris is equally, if not more important because he's going to play with the stars. He's going to play a large majority of minutes with Kyrie, with Kevin Durant, with James Harden. You know, Landry Shamet's going to play sparing minutes with them. But it also is going to be because Joe Harris is a little bit stronger and against these sort of teams, he needs to be able to, to showcase some of those good things. Because, yeah, I, I guess... Overall, Nick, you've watched and we've watched mo- most, if not all, games of Joe Harris this season. Would this rank in the bottom sort of one, two, or three of games that he's played for as a Brooklyn Net in 2020-2021? Yeah, I think that'd be a fair take, Jack, just because he just didn't really have much of an impact. You know, credit to the Bucks defense, but it really it wasn't a, t- a ton, and they did a good job of just kind of shutting him out and defensively got attacked a little bit by Chris Middleton, but Middleton's a really, really good player, so it's not really that big of a deal. So just not a very impactful game. Like, you kind of forgot Joe Harris was on the floor at different stretches of this one, and that's not something you typically say. Definitely, and and I guess we'll we'll get back to to Kyrie Irving. We sort of alluded uh, a bit earlier about you know the fact that he's sort of been practicing Ramadan, which means you know fasting from uh, sunrise to, to sundown. Um, do you think that Kyrie needs a game off, Nick? Because funnily enough, who would have thought heading into the the season that you know if we were to get James Harden and, and Kevin Durant, obviously he's on this team, that Kyrie Irving would be playing the most games that, uh, from the Brooklyn Nets out of the Scary Hours trio. Do you think that Kyrie Irving is looking a little bit tired? Yeah, I think he's a little fatigued. I think we saw this in the previous day games. I mean, he played really well against the Suns, but when he played against the Heat uh, about two weeks ago, he kind of played like this. So it definitely looked like a fatigue thing because the shots weren't like off. They were just kind of short or long. You know what I mean? It's just kind of a fatigue thing in the sense of like he's not feeling it right out there. His jump shot doesn't necessarily have the same height on it. And he missed some shots that he typically makes. You know, some of it was Drew Holiday being a great defender, but a lot of it was just Kyrie being off. And even his engagement didn't seem super high. We've seen him, you know, in big games this season, kind of be happy, smiling, talking a lot. Just didn't have the same vibe to him tonight. And yeah, I think said- Ramadan definitely is playing a role. Absolutely. And look, I've said this time and time again, this season is just a goddamn slog. And, you know, yeah. I mentioned it on Just Four Things as well, that this regular season, more than any other, the condensed nature of it, the games after games after games after games after games, you know, it's mentally, physically fatiguing for any person, let alone a person who isn't eating or drinking anything from sunrise yeah. to sundown and also trying to perform at the highest physical peak in the, the league where there is the most talent and against a team who has some pretty goddamn incredible defensive talent. And while I still trust Kyrie Irving, we've seen him do it time and time again in the postseason and against the best defenses. I'm completely confident in in his game, and he's still going to produce that at a quality level. There's no doubt about that, Nick. But... And he stayed late today to put up shots after the game, so obviously he wasn't very happy with his performance. You know, Kobe-esque type thing, and, you know, that's good to see. Look, I'm not a I'm 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 not a big believer in that sort of stuff, you know, sticking around and, and shooting. But uh, if it means, I think it's more for your mentals, though. Like, hey, I shot really bad. I need to see the ball go through the hoop like 50 times, and that's just going to help me kind of mentally be more confident going to the next game. And look, for Kyrie Irving, I get it because he isn't a person that does this all the time. He isn't a person that needs to get reps in like on his free throws yeah. or on his three pointers it's just like okay i need to feel myself a little bit now i've had a little bit to eat i've had a gatorade or two now I can yeah. go, okay okay i'm feeling it now 
Whereas there's players in, we've seen in seasons past, sort of like, you know, in, in post games, guys who don't have the reps behind them, where it's just like, what is the purpose of this ultimately? You know, I, I think that rest is almost a, 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 as an important of a thing as it is for overexerting yourself. You know, I'm not necessarily a big believer of that Jimmy Butler, you know, wake up at 3 a.m. and work till 4 p.m. mentality and just work for 12 hours straight. It's just like, dude, rest is as important. And I think rest is probably more important in this season than any other. And I think... Kyrie Irving knows his body, uh, he knows his conditioning, he knows everything better than we do, and he's going to bounce back, no doubt about that. But Nick, a guy who I think that we've got to show some love to, despite the fact that he got five fouls, Blake Griffin continues to make a, a really solid impact for the Brooklyn Nets coming off the bench. And I, I, I had this comparison in my head, I was, I was thinking and watching little bits of highlights of the game. Do you think he could have a Markeith Morris-like impact for the Brooklyn Nets in the postseason? You know, I think Markeith Morris had a really big impact off the bench, playing some small ball five, hitting some three zero there, playing some decent defense for the Los Angeles Lakers. And, you know, there were quarters that were he was super-duper important in allowing the Lakers to maintain some ascendancy over the Heat and some of their other teams. Could Blake Griffin be a similar type of dude for the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I mean, I think you could even make an argument maybe he even could have a bigger impact because the Lakers didn't necessarily need Markeith Morris in every single game where it feels like, you know, Blake is better than DeAndre Jordan at this point. You know what I mean? I feel like he's going to be required to see a large chunk of minutes at different points, especially depending on Nick Claxton, his conditioning and his health. So, and I also think Blake is, you know, has a higher basketball IQ is probably a more talented basketball player and he's getting a little bit more comfortable. And I also think like his hustle impact, his willing to take charges on Giannis, diving for a million loose balls, even means, you know, taking guys out. You just love the way Blake plays and I think he really understands that role, especially when the other guys are going to be out there. And we saw him really get up for a putback dunk today. Like, <laughs> that might be the highest he's jumped in a couple years. Hey, man, like, just because people turn 30 doesn't mean they still don't have the hops. They can't can still... We don't like this ageism happening in the NBA. And in, you know, Injuryism, in my opinion, for Blake Griffin. Maybe. Injuryism. <laughs> there's a new word. We, we always can try, create new and stupid words on this podcast. But, yeah, what Blake has brought to this Brooklyn Nets team ever since his arrival is just a willingness and a desire to impact the game with the little things. And that's not something you necessarily see from superstars. You know, like, you know, you come out of Anthony, it's just like, you know what? I'm still a superstar. Who are they talking about? They're talking about me? Whereas Blake's just like I love this environment this environment is just all about the craft and I think that that sort of set the tone from from top down uh, that, that family sort of atmosphere you know we're going to jump and, and hype up each other and we're going to lift each other up and, and encourage each other support each other and I think Blake Griffin feels like a Brooklyn net and despite the fact that you know, he's had a, a large and long and successful tenure in Detroit in terms of individual success and a pretty goddamn successful tenure in Los Angeles Clippers, one, one of their best players in the history of their, their franchise. What he's been doing as a Brooklyn Met, I think, deserves a heap of credit as well. Yeah, and I thought, you know, his intelligence sticks out too. And, you know, Steve Nash has talked about it too, all the experience in the basketball IQ he has. You know, KD was having a little bit of a tough time in the fourth quarter at points getting the ball. They kind of made an adjustment where he was getting off dribble handoffs with Blake Griffin. And that's just kind of an aspect of his game that you feel comfortable with because he can dribble the basketball, he can handle a little bit, he can bring it up, he can throw some great passes, and he can knock down some threes. So defenses have to respect him out there. So Blake's really provided a nice impact for this team. Big time, big time, big, 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 big Blake Griffin fans here on the Brooklyn Buzz, no doubt about that. Uh, who else did you want to touch on, Nick, or any other sort of uh, holistic big game takeaways, overall game takeaways from this matchup in the three-point loss to the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, I could just touch on everyone real quick. I mean, Tyler Johnson kind of struggled in this one. Three ball off a little bit. Smaller guards not necessarily going to pop in a matchup like this. Alizé got to play three minutes in the first quarter. I don't think Steve Nash really liked what he saw. I think the Bucks are going to attack him a little bit. Uh, Jeff Green, 
not a bad game from Jeff Green, but there was a couple plays where a dunk maybe he could have finished, another three goes down or something like that. But he didn't feel you didn't feel him a ton in this one. And then, like I mentioned, Mike James kind of struggled here too. Bruce Brown played four minutes. I don't know if that was more so the injury or just kind of lack of impact. All the guys that I kind of just mentioned just didn't necessarily have a huge impact in this game in a big matchup. Yeah, and look, heading into the, the back-to-back, or not necessarily the back-to-back, the back-to-back in terms of the matchup, you know, do you think Claxton's going to be back, Nick? Do you think we see some more minutes for Bruce Brown? Are you more confident in, I guess, you know, the Nets had, what, two and a half good players tonight and, and still almost took down, you know, one of the championship favorites in the Eastern Conference. Do you think Clax could be back? And are you more confident about the next game than you were about the performance tonight? Yeah, I mean, I thought the Nets would probably prefer to win the first game of the matchup, just given that maybe they could rest or not do what they want in the second one. I think, you know, they're going to play a little bit harder. I think guys like Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris are most likely going to bounce back. And I think on the Bruce Brown front, I'm not really sur- sure if he's going to play a ton of minutes because based off of the Bucks defense and the way they like to attack, I think the Nets would probably prefer to have a floor spacer out there. And the Claxon thing to me is kind of a question mark. I mean, he was active tonight. Steve Nash said he didn't really want to play him. Can he get his conditioning right by Tuesday? I'm not really sure if he can. They'd be great to see him on the floor just for the defensive impact. And also, I think, help on helping on the boards. You know, the Nets, the numbers look good, but it felt like the Bucks got a lot of timely offensive rebounds that were the difference in this game. I remember seeing a stat from someone on Twitter saying that uh, Drew Holiday had two offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter, which led to five points. And that's essentially the difference in the game. That's it. At the end of the day, the little things do matter in the big matchups, Nick. But uh, a nice little quick one. I think we touched on quite a bit, but you know, I think that there are still good things happening forward for Nets World. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I would just say this is I wouldn't necessarily look too much into this loss. Like we mentioned, no James Harden. Kyrie didn't play well. Joe Harris didn't play well. Giannis probably had an outlier game in terms of his shooting. Uh, Chris Middleton played really well, and the Nets lost by three. And there were a lot of self-inflicted mistakes in this one in which they can clean up on Tuesday or just clean up in a more engaged factor. But, Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch us on all streaming platforms. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.